Welcome to Modern Family Matters, a podcast devoted to exploring family law topics that matter most to you, covering a wide range of legal, personal, and family law matters with expert analysis from skilled attorneys and professional guests. We hope that our podcast provides answers, clarity, and guidance towards a better tomorrow for you and your family. Here's your host, Steve Altitian. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve Altitian, Director of Client Partnerships for Pacific Cascade Legal. And today we have Christy Carpenter here with us to talk about the role of limited license legal technicians in a family law case. Hey, Christy, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk about this. Oh, this is going to be fun. So before we talk, just can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I began my legal career as a paralegal in 1995. I, my first job was with the King County Bar Association, a legal services agency, helping uh, low-income people do their own divorces. Um, I gradually moved up, worked for a boutique law firm, worked for a lar- large family law firm um, in the Puget Sound area. And then I became licensed as a limited licensed legal technician in 2016 opened my own firm in 2017 and joined Pacific Cascade Legal uh, last year. I love it. Then you're the perfect person to talk to about this. And and I'm going to do, I'm just going to start with the obvious, start with the beginning question. Um, Can you tell us just what exactly a limited license legal technician is? So I think I like to give the analogy that a triple LT, which is what we call it for short, is similar to a registered nurse practitioner in the medical uh, arena. Um, We are licensed to practice law, just like attorneys are. We get our bar license from the State Bar Association. Um, However, our scope of practice is limited. One of the big areas where we're limited is in actually speaking to the court on behalf of a client. However, uh, we can do pretty much everything else. We can prepare court documents, file them, arrange to have them served. We can communicate with the other party or the other party's attorney. We can attend mediation with a client, um, prepare clients for hearings. And in some cases, we can actually go to a hearing with a client and assist during that hearing, but we we can't ask, we can't uh, speak to the court directly. Um, and if the court does have a question of fact or procedure, they they are permitted to ask the triple T a question. Other things we can do, we can help prepare for trial, which is, a, I've had several of those recently. Do, do the trial brief, prepare exhibits, the notebooks. We can attend trial and assist during the breaks, but of course we can't sit at the counsel table with the client. So most things that attorneys do, triple LTs can do. And it is limited in Washington. The, the air, practice area we're limited is family law. We can't practice in any other area of law. So the, the I guess the term is pro se. The is you, your client technically is representing themselves, but you can pretty much do everything other than, like you said, speak to the court to help them. Correct. Typically, when attorneys represent clients, they file what's called a notice of appearance, and in that case, they get notices from the court and from the other the other side or the other side's attorney. Um, and they, the other side of the attorney has to communicate with that party's attorney. 
Um, so in this case, um, the other side has to communicate still with the pro se client, um, although there are mechanisms by which we can ask that they communicate with a triple T concurrently with the pro se client. So you said you're, you're, you're registered or you're, you're licensed, you got a bar number, you got the whole thing. Is, is this thing that's unique to Washington or is this something that's, that's can be found around the country? Well, Washington was the first state uh, to enact such a limited license. In 2012, the Supreme Court of Washington approved uh, this new license. And the first licensees were, were, the first people were licensed in 2015. Since then, other states have looked at Washington's example and have promulgated their own limited licensing. I believe the second state to do so was Utah. Um, and they, I believe they are licensing their, I think they call them limit, um, limited paralegal practitioners. Don't quote me on that. Something like that. But they, I believe, can practice in family law, um, landlord, tenant, and uh, possibly a, some sort of debtor creditor. And those are the big, the I would say the top three areas where low income and even moderate income need assistance is family law, debtor creditor issues, and um, housing eviction issues. Yeah, you so, think so. Utah. Um, was a second, um, Arizona also, Minnesota, and then Oregon um, is going to start their licensing program in July of next year, um, along with Colorado, I believe, has a pilot program. All in all, I believe there are approximately 20 states right now who have either um, actively enacted this type of license or are working toward that. You you mentioned that you can practice most legal matters in in under family law if it's considered a family law case um family law is sometimes a a kind of a of an amorphous term so can we talk about that a little bit in terms of the types of family law cases that you can practice in because i know you know some people consider family law everything from from uh, surrogacy to adoption to guardianships to you know estate planning to divorce. Right. So you mentioned several of the the areas where triple are not permitted to practice: guardianship, adoptions, surrogacy, uh, dependency cases, those types of things. Um, the more common divorces, establishing parenting plans for unmarried couples, establishing child support paternity cases where testing needs to be done to, to determine who a father is, domestic violence cases, those are the big ones. And then within family law, within those types of cases themselves, there are certain issues that we cannot address. Um, some of those being uh, if a client or, or a spouse is in the midst of a bankruptcy, we have to refer them to a bankruptcy attorney to give instructions on how we would deal with that bankruptcy with bankruptcy within the context of the divorce. We cannot take on cases where there is a question of jurisdiction under UCCJEA for a parenting plan. Uh, we cannot deal with cases uh, where they're under the Indian Child Welfare Act. If, um, if a child is part Native American, 
uh, and a tribe might have a say in the parenting for that child. Um, and then other issues would might be uh, we cannot take on a divorce where there is a division of a business. We'll have to refer that out to an attorney. And then when the issue is resolved, that attorney can provide the triple LT with information on what to put in the divorce orders so that we can, we are within our scope. The, and I'm, tell me if I'm assuming that all of the different, I would, I call them iterations of divorce, um, legal separation, separation of a, of a, of a, um, registered partnership, all of those things fall into the lamb, the family law types of cases you can do? Generally, uh, we cannot, that's another question. Um, for unmarried couples, we cannot assist with what's called intimate partner relationships. So where there's a need for division of property, between unmarried couples, we can't assist with those because those technically are merely civil cases. Regarding yeah, I was going to say those really are just civil cases. They're, yeah. They don't even fall into that. You, you, you mentioned that on some of the stuff that you, you can't do on your own or just initially, you can work with an, an attorney and an attorney can work on some of that stuff and then it can come back to you and you can help? Yes. Yes. So we mentioned some of those things, bankruptcy, um, resolving a jurisdictional issue. Um, another, another common example is um, we cannot prepare qualified domestic relations orders um, or even refer to them in a case until a client has met with an attorney and determined you know, what needs to be done with the division of a retirement plan or a pension. Right. Yeah, that um, makes so sense. yes, we we do work with attorneys. Another instance where a client might want to move to an attorney for part of the time is when they have a hearing coming up um, and they do not feel comfortable speaking on their own behalf in court. What I typically do for my clients during hearings is I'll prepare talking points. I will coach them on what to expect. You know, we get on in Washington most of the. Uh, counties have Zoom hearings, and so I'll I'll get on the Zoom platform with them. We'll establish a chat on, on a chat app, and so I can uh, confer with the client while the hearing's going on. And often before the hearing, they have many questions because there are other cases going on, and so they'll have questions about things, you know, as to what they should do, and so. It's very interactive. Um, again, I can't speak on behalf of a client, but I'm, I'm right there coaching with them. And that's most hearings. There are very few hearings that we cannot assist during. Um, so, so if a client doesn't feel comfortable um, speaking on their own behalf, for example, I've had a client with ADD um, and they just get tongue-tied and they mm -hmm. get nervous. And, and being nervous is very common. Most clients are nervous, so they have they could have the option of um, having one of our attorneys file a limited notice of appearance just to appear at that hearing, and then when the hearing's done, they'll withdraw and then go back to my services, which are the behind the scenes services. So that's an option. Or if they're going to trial, I can do all the pre-trial work, keep the attorney apprised of what's going on, even have the attorney review and have some say in the trial brief, 
and then the attorney would actually represent them at the trial. Right. So, another dumb question. Um, the the place that LT fits um, is sometimes, I mean, I'm thinking like, well, why don't I just hire an attorney to do the whole thing? Um, you know, there's the, the reason that you guys are doing what you're doing, I would imagine has something to do with, you know, saving the client money. Yes. So the license was created primarily to assist moderate in compliance. Um, with low in compliance, often um, they're at 125% or below the poverty level, sometimes receiving public benefits. Often they have access to legal services agencies. Um, legal services agencies receive federal grants and state grants to help those who are at the poverty level. But for those who are above that poverty level, they have fewer resources. And so the license was created to make it um, more affordable for that niche of litigants to be able to afford legal services. So we're talking generally um, above 200% of the federal poverty level. And as an example, um, I, if I have a client, um, a single mother who's got two kids in her household, 400% of the federal poverty level um, is $7,320 income for a family of three. So it seems pretty high, but when you're talking about hiring a lawyer at $350, $375 an hour, and you're, that's that, that $7,300 was gross income, so conceivably $5,500 net, supporting a family of three, you know, once your mortgage is paid and all your bills and your credit cards, if you're in debt, there's not much left to be able to afford an attorney. And so our triple T rates are usually quite a bit less than attorneys. Um, I generally say they're at least um, least half of what an attorney's rate is, and sometimes as low as a third of what an yeah. attorney's rate is. If if I I'm just not sure. I I I've got a divorce coming, and I'm not sure if if what I need to do, how to do it, uh, how I can afford it. Could I come in and talk to you before you even kind of, we hired you to kind of go through and you can tell me yeah or no, or yes and no on, on you know, what, what you could do to help them? Absolutely. Um, I have consultations with clients first to determine what their issues are and whether any of their issues might be outside of my scope. So I ascertain that uh, I do a analysis of what their income is and what my rate would be because I do try to charge on a sliding scale based on income and household size. Um, and I go over what the procedure is for whatever their particular particular action is, uh, discuss what the uh, predicted timeline might be. Um, we talk about whether we want we'd want to do discovery which is uh, an exchange of information, formal exchange of information, whether they might need a motion for temporary orders uh, in the interim, if it's a contested action and it's expected to go on for 
months, 10, 12 months. It can be about a year before you get a trial date. And so often a client will want to have temporary orders entered in the interim in order to get potentially child support, set a parenting plan, maybe get some spousal maintenance, um, maybe divide some property initially. So we go over that in great detail. Yes. Mm -hmm. The discovery one um, really jumps out because I know that a lot of people I've talked to who kind of especially if they're not going to file, the first thing that sort of kind of hits them is this discovery request and they need, you know, there's a list of 82,000 things it feels like, and that can be pretty daunting, but they can come into you and you can help them with that. Yes. And in fact, I've had clients just hire me to help them put their discovery together, their discovery responses or send discovery. You might have um, a spouse who has had control of the the couple's finances and a client doesn't have access to any of that. And, and there needs to be some transparency as to what assets are owned, what debts are owed uh, before you can even move on to any mediation or really to any, any sort of finalization of the case. Yeah. Is there, is there any, anything I should be aware of if I'm going to hire you? Um, I know one of the things you talked about was, actual physical representation in court or what about getting things from the other attorney or getting things from the court? I can't come in and rely on you. I'm taking it to make, you know, to receive court documents, to receive court orders, or can I? Yes, you can. Um, so what I do uh, when I first get in, get into a case, um, assuming that it's been filed or at the time of filing, I will have the client file a notice of appearance pro se. And then within that notice of appearance, I also list my contact information. And it requires that the court and the opposing party or the opposing party's attorney communicate with both of us concurrently. And so... So that kind of solves that problem. Um, and the courts in Washington, at least in the big counties, they're very familiar with legal technicians' work. And I very routinely um, communicate with the court on behalf of my client. I always see, see my client because, again, as you said, the clients are technically pro se and they should be receiving you know, firsthand communications. Yeah. But that actually, I mean, that, that I don't want to call that a way around the rule, but it it kind of is a little bit and helps, at least it would help me feel better that, oh my God, I, you know, I missed something. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. So the advantages of an LLLT in a family law case, we've talked a little bit about those. Have we missed some of the advantages um, that you see? Um, in an LLLT uh, matter versus going with a full representation of an attorney? Well, we talked about the cost. Again, the cost is uh, prohibitive for many clients. Um, I've had many clients come to me after they've already had an attorney and they've already spent 10, 20. In some cases, I've had a couple of clients who've spent $75,000 on attorney and they, and they are still not through the trial stage. Um, so cost is the big one. 
Secondarily, I guess if, if clients don't have very complicated cases, it may not make sense to hire an attorney and spend $350 an hour doing an un- uncontested divorce. Um, why not hire a triple T if there are not any of those issues that are outside the triple T scope? Another thing that I found from clients who are coming to me after having had an attorney is they have gained more of an understanding of the law and the procedure when they come to me because I empower my clients with that knowledge. I thoroughly explain the law. I, we will go over a statute in detail, you know, showing the elements that they need to prove for a specific issue. Uh, we'll go over the procedure in detail. I will I'll send them the court rule on whatever it is, for example, a motion for reconsideration. You know, this is the court rule. This is what you need to do. I found that they really appreciate having the knowledge of the law and the procedure rather than if you have a lawyer, I think a lawyer is less inclined to spend the time explaining that all all to them and rather they just do it. (laughs) And that kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, an attorney is also trying to not to save them some money mm-hmm. and knows how to do it, knows how to do it quickly and and then does it. And while that saves them money, you, you're right. Sometimes someone can feel kind of out of it because they don't really know the why of mm-hmm. what's going on. So on, you mentioned uncontested on uncontested divorces. Um, you also see this a lot. Well, it's uncontested. All I got to do is file. It seems to me that those people could use you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Depending on what county you're in, things can get extremely complicated. You know, knowing uh, how to note a hearing, uh, and especially over the past couple of years during COVID, when things changed so dramatically about how to go about doing that. Um, You know, we went from all-in-person hearings to Zoom hearings, back to some hybrids, and during that time, especially in King County, the rules changed every other month. And so as a triple T, I had to really stay on top of that and you know, be knowledgeable of that. Um, whereas pro se people, sometimes they don't have anybody to help them. Now, in the bigger counties, there are family law facilitators uh, at the courthouses who can help. However, they do charge sometimes. Every, every time you see them, around $30, let's say. And, you know, if you don't get all your questions answered initially, you end up having to go back. And I have had clients who have gone back to the facilitator three, four, or five times and haven't gotten a resolution to their case. So right. having someone who's there from beginning to the end of an uncontested case is very valuable. We're coming up to time, but just a couple things. One, you you kind of hit on it. Um, why they why LLLTs exist, and one of the original kind of reasonings, and it was because the difficulty of getting rep- representation. And um, can you just kind of talk a little bit about that? Because it's a it's a real problem the the amount of people today who aren't able to get representation. And I guess on that is, is the state of Washington, at least thinking of going outside of family law to expand this at all? Uh, Okay. So two prong question. Um, 
the the license was created following um this the washington civil Le- civil legal needs study um regarding low-income people's access to legal services now that was in 2015 and at that time about 76 percent of low-income people did not get the help they needed to solve their legal issue uh and actually 65 percent did not even pursue any help at all they either didn't know it was out there or they just figured they couldn't afford an attorney so really we're only talking about 11 percent who actually sought help um, and got help um and that civil legal needs study does not even take into account as we discussed earlier the modest means people this was people at the federal poverty level what was the second part of your question again oh just whether or not the you know they're thinking of expanding you said it's just all family law right now um into other types of law so uh unfortunately in 2020 the washington state supreme court sunsetted the triple t license and by sunset i mean they are not allowing any other triple t's become to become licensed those who were licensed were grandfathered in so we can still practice i do serve on the washington state bar association triple t board and we are one of our tasks is to sunrise the license so we will be working on trying to convince the supreme court that it is a valuable license and it should be reinstated part of being on the triple t board uh, before this was sunsetted was exploring other areas in which triplets could be licensed other practice areas and so we did look at housing we've looked at administrative law the chief administrative law judge in washington actually was very supportive of triplets assisting at administrative hearings and by administrative i'm talking uh, employment law public benefits administrative child support hearings uh, right now, administrative law, most most administrative law hearings, a layperson can assist. And so it makes complete sense that a triple LT should be able to assist. Yep. So me, that would, if, if indeed the license is sunrised at some, some point, we will again attempt to expand into other areas of law. Well, it seems like it's really doing a great service. And that should be considered. Thank you so much. We have we have come to the end, always too quick. And so I just want to thank you so much, Christy, for kind of talking through this, talking about the role of the Triple LT and, and not just the role, but the importance of it and, and doing it in a language that we can all actually understand. So thank you so much today. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I, I will invite you again. And everyone else, thank you for joining us today. And if anyone has any further questions on today's topic, you can post it here or you can give us a call and we can get you connected with Christy right away. So until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and be well. This has been Modern Family Matters, a legal podcast focusing on providing real answers and direction for individuals and families. Our podcast is sponsored by Landerholm Family Law and Pacific Cascade Family Law, serving families in Oregon and Washington. 
If you are in need of legal counsel or have additional questions about a family law matter important to you, please visit our websites at LanderHomeLaw.com or PacificCascadeFamilyLaw.com. You can also call our headquarters at 503-227-0200 to schedule a case evaluation with one of our seasoned attorneys. Modern Family Matters, advocating for your better tomorrow and offering legal solutions important to the modern family.